Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Jesus. I am your host, Todd Ubley. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is going to be a little bit different than most. We have a very, very special guest on this episode, and her testimony was just so powerful, so phenomenal. It really, really is a treat. The original episode was also very long. I generally try to keep episodes between 15 and 20 minutes, maybe stretching them to 25. This one was 40 minutes long. So I decided to break it up into two separate parts. This episode will be part one, and a week later, I will release part two as a special episode. Generally, I release episodes on a bi-weekly schedule. So in part one, I will introduce our guest, and we will hear the first part of her testimony. And then in part two, we will hear the remainder of her testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is a Christian author. She's a homeschooling mother, and she likes to write modern-day parables. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Dalton. Michelle, thank you very much for joining us today. Would you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your background? Sure. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool my son who has Down syndrome and autism. And um, I started out my career as a minister in a couple of small churches and worked two jobs, both in the church and then um, had to have separate income bivocational, they call it. <laughs> and so I learned to be a graphic designer and got involved heavily in graphic design and marketing and finally ended up just just going on and doing that full time as a career and moving back into volunteer positions in the church. So when I became a mom through foster care, I decided at that point in time that I was really just going to focus more on being a mom and kind of figured that was my missions field. And I was doing foster care and that's how I was able to adopt my son. I also at the same point in time had two other children um, that were very close to his age. My two boys were born six weeks apart and then the little girl was just about a year and a half older. So I had three kids under the age of two. And so that was a full-time job for a long time. Oh, wow. But eventually I got into writing and that's what I'm doing now. I'm writing and I'm helping other authors publish their books. So that's where I'm at today. Nice. Well, thank you. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about what you'd like to talk about today? Well, I guess um, it's it's been a very stressful couple of years for everybody. And I think a lot of times we forget how to deal with the the troubles that come along in our lifetimes and unfortunately or maybe fortunately I'm not quite sure which yet I've had several experiences in my lifetime that have really forced me into a place of dependency on God and it's because I simply had no way of doing anything on my own and so when you asked about doing the podcast, that was the first thing that came to mind because you were talking about doing this around Thanksgiving time. And that's kind of where 
my story started as an adult with a car accident the day after Thanksgiving in 1990. And, you know, through it all, just learning, learning to see God's fingerprints as he's been working in all of those years since then. Would you mind sharing a, a little bit about the accident and, you know, what happened and what the results were? Well, I was a junior in college, and so I was going to school full-time in ministry, and I was working full-time in the evenings on second shift as a nurse's aide. And as I had gotten better at my job as a nurse's aide, I seriously started considering changing my major from uh, Christian ministries to nursing. I come from a family of nurses on both my maternal and paternal sides, so it's kind of a family tradition that way. And was struggling with that decision, trying to decide if I wanted to continue with my ministry training or if I wanted to move over and go into nursing. And um, I was on my way home from work one night, around 1130 at night, and I was sitting at a stoplight and I was hit head on by an underage, unlicensed drunk driver. And I don't remember much of anything about the accident. Um, I was pretty much crushed into the car and I guess it took them a while to get me out. And I really don't remember a lot in those first couple of days because I was just so out of it. The only real memory I have of that particular time frame is there was just this thought going through my head, the ultimate sin, and I didn't know what I had done to make God so angry with me. What had I done that was the ultimate sin? And so I was about 700 miles from home, and it took my mom a couple of days to get down there to me. So the first real memory I have after the accident was waking up to her cold hands on my forehead. It's, you know, the end of December in Indiana, and it was blooming cold. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had um, a whole bunch of stitches and things in my face, and she just happened to lay her hand in a spot that just, I mean, just kind of, whoa. <laughs> and it was a wake-up call, let me tell you. <laughs> but... um she stayed with me then um, down there in Indiana for the couple of weeks that I was in the hospital. And I couldn't go back to school because I was so banged up. And so she loaded me in the back of her tiny little car and we trucked the, oh, I think it was about nine hours home um, back to Wisconsin in the back of that goofy little car all crunched up me and all my broken pieces. And when we got home, the bigger issue was that she lived in a house that um, it had like a tuck under garage. And so the only way into the house was up steps. And um, I had had significant repairs in my right leg and foot and ankle. And I had broken like collarbone and ribs and things like that. And so the idea of me trying to get up those steps by myself was an insurmountable <laughs> task. Um, and so <laughs> the only way I could get into the house was sit on the bottom step and bump up on my butt one step at a time 
to get into the house and just kind of scoot across the floor until I could get to a place where they could help me up into the wheelchair. And so that was an interesting adventure. Um, definitely not not anything I ever want to repeat. So, yeah, I can only imagine what it was like. You had mentioned one thing that had gone through your head was, you know, what great sin did you commit? What what other things kind of went through your head? What other, what other emotions and thoughts were you having once once you realized the full extent of your injuries? Well, interestingly enough, it took about, oh, I don't know, a week to 10 days. It was shortly before I left Indiana on the way home. Um, my mom and sister had gone to the I don't know, like junkyard where my car was at and had taken pictures for insurance purposes. And so they had taken pictures of my car and the, and the vehicle that hit me. And the vehicle that hit me was a great big old, like early 1970s Ford Bronco. I mean, the thing was so big, it had its own area code. <laughs> yeah. And right across the bug shield on the front of the, on the front of that truck were the words, the ultimate sin. So apparently in the dark, right before I got hit, that was the last thing I saw. <laughs> and that's what had been going through my head all that time. But for me, it really had been kind of a soul searching was, you know, the idea of changing my major from nursing or from ministry to nursing was that kind of, you know, a sin because I was stepping out of God's plan for my life. And so that had been the thought that was going through my head that entire time. But in the actual physical reality, it was that that was the last thing I saw before um, I became unconscious after the accident. So weird little mystery solved there. How did this make you feel? I mean, how, what kind of impact did this have on, on your life? with regards to, you know, your studies and your, your path forward? Well, it was, uh, my goodness, um, the first, I don't know, week or so, I was back home in my mother's house. You know, the idea was that eventually things would heal and life would go back to normal. But unfortunately, between the damage to me and the financial issues that came out of that between hospital bills and the costs of therapy and not being able to work. And um, it took so long for me to heal up. My student loans started coming due. And so I had to figure out a way to try and find a way to work. Um, I spent about six months in a wheelchair um, after that first accident. And even after that, um, because of all of the repairs that they had done in my right foot and ankle, I couldn't go back to nursing. I just, I didn't have the stamina to do that. And so I was just really at lost ends. I couldn't go back to school because I couldn't afford to go back to school. Um, the young girl that hit me was underage. She didn't have a driver's license. And so no insurance and so there was no accident settlement oh no so i was just stuck with this enormous pile of bills and student loans coming due and no way to work and i was staying at my mother's house which was too small there really wasn't room for me and it had all those stairs and so you know the fallout 
over the next year was just extraordinary. Um, you know, I couldn't find a job that I could do. I didn't have any money of my own. Um, my mother was um, very stressed. She was a single mom and barely made ends meet the way it was. And so she was, um, I don't know, in a rush to get me out of the house. <laughs> um, she didn't want to have to um, be responsible for me, which is understandable. I was 20 years old. I should have been, you know, doing this on my own. But it was a, it was an emotional blow because I just felt like I didn't have anyone. And so um, it just, it really led to a time of, I can't even say soul searching. It was just such a dark place, you know, and in my, in my naive state, I didn't realize that um, you really shouldn't write checks if you don't have any money in your account. Because, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to get a job soon and I'll pay, you know, I'll pay, I'll, pe I'll pay people back. <laughs> but, you know, they kept sending me bills for the hospital and they kept sending me bills for student loans. And so I would just write them a check thinking I was buying myself time. And all I was doing is buying myself trouble. And so um, that turned into a great big legal issue. And of course, then back in the day, you used to get overdraft charges and you'd get late fees and then you'd get fees from the place where you wrote the check to. And, you know, what was probably the equivalent of $1,000 worth of, of bills that I had paid ended up costing me about 5000 to pay back. Oh, wow. Uh, by the time all those fees and things were added. And so it took me most of my 20s to dig out and kind of find my footing in all of that. And like I said, you know, I was working in a couple of small churches and they were only able to provide, you know, small stipends, like 50 or $60 a week. And so I had to have another job outside of that to be able to pay my bills. And very thankfully, um, I was able to get a job through a temporary agency, and they happened to like the way I would make their sales letters look a little bit fancier using bold type or italic type or whatever. And again, we're talking in the days before Windows and page layout software and all. Right, right. You were very limited in what you could do, but... Um, out of that grew the ability to start doing graphic design work for that company. They invested in the first Windows computer in their office. They invested in the first page layout software for me to learn. And so I was very fortunate to be able to train as an apprentice almost, I guess, in a, in a new career that way. And that just kind of started me off then on a different path. And so I'm very thankful for that because it's something I had a talent for and didn't know it. And God just kind of, you know, he opened doors that I didn't realize he was opening. And so, you know, I made it through my 20s and my 30s and I um, got married and started doing foster care and ended up with my son. Um, that we were able to adopt. 
And during all that time, I had started my own design business. And so I was able to be a stay-at-home mom, which was really important to me. Would you just mind sharing a little bit, you've shared a little bit about, you know, the impacts this had to your life. Emotionally, how how did this affect you as you were going through this? Just I can't even imagine, you know, the stress or the anxiety associated with just the surgeries and the bills and the, and the, all the fallout. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? You know, I have always been um, kind of reserved and quiet person. Um, have never had a lot of friends. Usually I had, you know, like one or two friends that I considered close friends. And so when all of this happened, I really was just very alone because I didn't have any friends. Um, you know, my mom was doing her best, but she just looked at me one day and she said, I wish you would have died in that accident because things were so bad. Oh my goodness. And, you know, it's, you take that to heart. You really do. And you just can't quite get your feet under you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed part one. I promise you that part two is even more powerful. So please join us in one week as we listen to part two. Thank you and God bless.